Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. How many of you are ready to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? You're ready to receive the Spirit. Uh, For those of you that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, just remember back. Refresh your memory. Get geared up. Just get excited. Let some of that that, uh, excitement that happened in that moment, that time, whenever, come on your life right now because I'm going to be wanting you to pray for people to receive just like you did And uh, some of you were baptized in the Holy Spirit a long time ago, but you've gotten a little lax. You don't pray in the Spirit anymore. And uh, I want to challenge you to get refilled with the Holy Spirit. That happened on a couple of occasions that were mentioned in the book of Acts, that they were refilled with the Holy Spirit. Well, um, I guess one of the... uh, maybe uh, central points of discussion in Christendom for ever since uh, uh, the day of Pentecost has been the whole issue of speaking in tongues. Now, uh, as ridiculous as that is, uh, speaking in tongues is uh, heavenly language. It's real. I've been doing it for all these years, and so many of you maybe even longer, but it's a heavenly language. It's the language of God. It is the language given to us uh, by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one that baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. And uh, when we're born again, let's get this clear, when we are born again, the Spirit of God comes into our spirit that was dead to God and now is alive to God because the Spirit comes in to our spirit. And uh, at that point, we're born again. But then this is subsequent or after um, salvation as we see in the Scripture. I know that some of you were raised in a church that taught against this. I know that some of you, your favorite pastor, you loved dearly growing up, said, stay away from those Pentecostals. And here you are sitting in a Pentecostal church. And uh, maybe some of you are sitting here and you're like, what? I'm sitting in a what? Uh, But you're sitting in a Pentecostal church, all right, that believes that Pentecost still happens today just like it did in the book of Acts. So that's where you're sitting. So uh, God's got you here for a reason. The lady that led Alice to the Lord said, stay away from those tongue-talking people, all right? And so then she ends up marrying one. But, uh, and uh, thank God, uh, thank God, thank God. I recently spoke to someone. They said they got saved. They were in a, uh, just a good church, but uh, they were concerned about them because they were like, she, they were going to places that had uh, belief in the Spirit. And so they were uh, concerned about that person speaking in tongues. Well, let me tell you something right now. Speaking in tongues, speaking in this heavenly language is one of the most incredible, wonderful, uh, life-changing experience. 
on a regular basis. This morning, um, some of us, uh, the staff, come for prayer, and uh, for the better part of an hour in there, I was praying in the Holy Spirit. According to 1 Corinthians 14, 2, the Bible says, no one was understanding me but God. He heard everything I said, and the Holy Spirit was praying through me. No doubt for this service and for maybe even you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But this is not something to be fearful of. I mean, aren't we intrigued when we hear people speaking in a language we don't understand? I'm always intrigued when I hear someone speaking a language either learned or they, it was their native language. And so I, I hear them and uh, I'm intrigued by it and I'm amazed by it. I don't doubt the, sense, uh, the reality of that language. I don't question it. And uh, I mean, they, of course, they enjoy speaking, even if uh, they speak now in English, they enjoy speaking in their native language, just as I enjoy praying in the Holy Spirit. And let me go ahead and say, uh, one time in this church, you're going to hear on a mass scale, people praying in tongues or in that heavenly language is at these altars today at the end of the service. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be praying in the spirit over people. Our altar team is, and there at the campus is the same thing is going to be going on. Now, today I want to approach uh, the subject of the scripture a little bit differently than I typically do. Um, usually I go right to first uh, Acts first uh, and second chapters, but today I am going to go with one scripture out of chapter one and then go to what happened after the day of Pentecost. So let's go to Acts chapter one and verse eight. I know I threw the guys a curveball for service, but let me read it to you. And but you, but you, that's you, that's you at the campuses, that's you online. I'm, I prayed already this morning. Many of you online would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But you shall, shall receive. He didn't say, this is Jesus talking. He didn't say, but you might uh, receive power. No, he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you, here it is, you will be, shall be witnesses to Christ in Jerusalem. And there was a crowd of about 500 people there on the Mount of Olives when Christ was saying this right before he ascended back into heaven. So he's saying it to a crowd of about 500, of course, mostly Jewish men and women. And uh, as he says this, they were like, amen, we're going to share it in Jerusalem. And uh, then he says, and not only in Jerusalem, but in all Judea. And they're thinking, yes, we're going to share with our Jewish friends and neighbors uh, and acquaintances about the truth of Christ. And then he said, in Samaria. And somebody said, he, what, what did he just say? And, uh, and they, he said, in Samaria. And a good portion of the crowd were like, 
In where? In Samaria. Samaria uh, or Samaritans were people who were half Jewish and half Gentile. Now, what is a Gentile? Gentile just simply means not Jewish, all right? So here is uh, people that uh, uh, got with other nations or other people, and they were called Samaritans, and the Jewish people looked down their nose at them, at, certainly at that time. And that's why the disciples were so shocked. When they came back, Jesus was talking to a woman at the well in Samaria, and yet that uh, turned that woman's life around and many of those in the city. So here he says, I want you to go to the Jews, and they were okay with that. Then he said, I want you to go to Samaria, and there were some scratching their heads. And then he says to the ends of the earth, and most of them were thinking to the Jews, to the end of the earth. But there was one young man standing there that day that became an evangelist. He was uh, Philip, and Philip was standing there, and he heard Jesus with his own words, he said, uh, uh, out of the mouth of Christ, he said, I want you to go to Samaria. And I believe the Holy Spirit impressed that upon Philip's heart. And so he heard it. And now it's sometime later. He didn't immediately go, but now it's sometime later. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 8, verse 12. And it says, and when they believed Philip. So Philip goes, preaches to those in Samaria. He preached uh, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Both men and women were baptized. And so he goes there, he preaches Christ crucified, uh, shed his blood uh, for our sins. And if you will accept him and believe on him, you'll be born again. I don't know all that he told them, but he was lifting up Christ and the good news of, about Christ's life and death and resurrection. So the Samaritans, they heard the Spirit of God convicted them. They believed. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the Spirit of God came into their spirit. And then the Bible says, and they were baptized, men and women. Uh, they were baptized, he's talking about, in water. I want to stop right there because there are many listening. There are the campuses, uh, uh, online, here in the auditorium. There are many people you are listening and you've never been baptized in water. Now, don't feel guilty. Just Kick, the, kick things into gear, all right? You need to stop on your way out and uh, one of the event centers, sign up or go home, get on the computer, sign up to be baptized in water, all right? Uh, or ever how the campuses do it, you find out before you leave and uh, you sign up to get baptized in water water. Uh, it's a commandment of Christ. It's part uh, of this part and parcel of, of our walk with God. We get saved. We get baptized in water. We get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So Philip preached. They got saved. Even Simon 
the sorcerer, who was a man of importance in the city before Philip got there. And Simon himself, in verse 13, also believed. He was born again. And when he was baptized, he got baptized in water. He continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles. All right, let's stop there. Let me say to you, when you get saved, and baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are going to see miracles. That's a good place to say amen. When you get saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're going to see miracles. Now, don't ever forget, the biggest miracle of all is when you got saved and other people get saved. Salvation is the biggest miracle of all, all right? So, but then after that, miracles happen. Small miracles in our estimation, large miracles, in-between miracles. Uh, uh, yesterday, there was a men's uh, Hispanic God encounter, and uh, Pastor Marco said, I mean, God showed up and showed off uh, and did all kinds of incredible things in those men's lives. I mean, I mean, substantial healings uh, took place physically there also. So they got baptized at Samaria, and they believed. Now, something happened then. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, verse 14, the Bible says, and now, not, not when, but now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Uh, and then they laid hands on them. They got there, and uh, they laid hands on them, and those Samaritans received uh, the Holy Spirit, just like you're going to receive the Holy Spirit today. Now, it does not say they spoke in tongues, but we know from the story and the inference that Simon the sorcerer saw things uh, uh, that was going on, saw and heard. The implication is that he, people were receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and he offered money and got rebuked for it as well he should have. But he was so enthralled with what was happening. Now, Let's move on. Eight uh, is the first uh, experience with the Holy Spirit, baptism in the Spirit, after Acts 2, 4. Now let's go to the third one, Acts chapter 9, verse 11. This is where Paul the Apostle was uh, born again and uh, baptized in the Spirit. And so let's look at verse 11, Acts 9. And uh, the Lord said to him, to Ananias, uh, Everybody was fearful of Saul before this experience, all right? He had killed people. He had thrown Christians in jail. I mean, he was a mean dude. He thought he was doing God's work. And yet, on the road to Damascus, I mean, Jesus knocked him off that horse, uh, spoke to him with a voice out of heaven, uh, and struck him blind. I'll tell you. Most people will get saved after that, all right? I'm telling you. And so if you're sitting here and you're not born again and you don't think you have any interest, let me tell you something. I hope somebody's praying for you because those prayers are going to wrap themselves around your life and pull you into the kingdom of God. And that's what's going to happen to some of you. So he says to Ananias, arise. 
and go to a street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish. Now, let me stop there because Ananias was like, hey, sounds good. I'm going to go to the street called Straight, uh, house of Judas. I'm going to do what? And uh, here, all these people feared Saul, and no doubt he had not heard yet, but inquired at the house for a Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. After that experience with, with God speaking to him, he believed. He was struck blind. He was sitting there praying and asking God to forgive him probably over and over for all the horrible things he had done. He was sitting there praying, saying, God, I give my life to you. I give myself to you. God, I thought I was doing right, and now I realize I'm doing wrong. I don't know what all he was saying, but he was praying. And uh, so what happened when... When uh, Ananias came in, oh my goodness, uh, when Ananias went his way and entered the house in verse 17, laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me stop there. Saul probably had not heard anything about the Holy Spirit. He hadn't heard probably anything about speaking in tongues. I'm just telling you, he's sitting in that chair, I mean crying out to God, saying, God, whatever you want for my life, God, I am here. And all of a sudden, someone comes in, pray for him. He is healed and he is baptized in the Holy Spirit and starts speaking in a heavenly language just like you are today. Now, it doesn't say he spoke in tongues in chapter 9. No, it doesn't. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. He was a southern Jew and he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And then he says, do not forbid to speak with tongues. Uh, I mean, uh, he just went on and expounded. Thank God for Paul. He, we got so much of our understanding from Paul. And so uh, we move on to another chapter. I love this chapter. It's chapter 10. So it's eight. It's a revival in Samaria. It's nine. Paul gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now it's 10 where a Roman soldier and his household is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is some 10 years or so after Acts 2, 4. Uh, and this is sad because Jesus had said, go to everybody, but they didn't go to everybody. All right? Uh, Thank God Philip went to the Samaritans. But the Gentiles, which were simply anybody not a Jew, um, here we find a Roman soldier who was, I mean, a commander who got hungry for God. He was a good man. He gave alms to the Jewish people. He was such a, a, a wonderful, kind-hearted man, maybe unlike a lot of Roman commanders. But here he was. He had had a miracle, a vision of an angel to saying, bring this guy from Joppa, Peter. And so now Peter's here. 
And no doubt they, they are in the courtyard outside of his home. And Peter brought some Jewish men with him, friends, uh, uh, other disciples. They're talking. And uh, Peter and those men are thinking, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I'm about to walk through the threshold uh, of a, a Gentile's home. And more than that, a Roman's home. I'm going to walk in there. But already God had prepared Peter's heart. So they got ready. And uh, all those Romans filled that house. Uh, and Peter and his friends walked through the door. Oh, wow. I love this. Let's pick it up at verse 44. Acts 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, oh my goodness, here it is. Peter, the house is full of people. Uh, people no doubt sitting down, standing up, soldiers there, friends of the family, all the family was there of Cornelius, and Peter starts preaching about Jesus, telling these Romans, little late, 10 years, I would say, a little late, but thank God it's happening. Maybe, uh, maybe there had been a few pockets of Gentiles that had gotten saved, uh, but to our knowledge, never a group of this substance or size. So Peter starts preaching, and when he's preaching, he doesn't even get to the altar call. He's preaching, and the Holy Spirit failed. On those Romans and on that big old soldier boy. He's preaching Jesus, him crucified, resurrected, Lord. And all of us, they believe. They believe what he's saying. They believe and, and receive Christ. The Spirit of God comes into their spirit. And then something happened that didn't usually happen. They were saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit simultaneously. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful? Uh, in service, uh, all of a sudden, people get saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit right 10 minutes into the sermon. All right. So this was incredible. And then Peter's like, I'm telling you, this happened. Peter and his friends are like, what just happened? They're looking around, they're hearing these people speaking in tongues, and they can't believe their ears. But they have to because they know and they sense the witness of the Spirit. And then it says in verse 45, and those of the circumcision, Peter, his friends, who believed, were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Why? How did they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered. He answered the other guys. He said, hey, guys, uh, can, can any of us forbid these Romans from getting baptized in water? That, uh, but these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit? Well, of course not. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. 
Then they asked him to stay a few days. These people got saved uh, listening to a sermon on Christ Jesus. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit right uh, the, almost simultaneously right after. And then they went outside. They got baptized in water somewhere. I mean, they are rejoicing and they want revival. They want the evangelists to stay around, all right? So then we go to chapter 19 of Acts. And we read uh, the last account in the book of Acts about somebody receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it happened that Paul had left Corinth. He was traveling. Apollos was back there. A great man, a great preacher um, was back in Corinth. But it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, finding some disciples, now, the amazing thing is, these were disciples of John the Baptist. This is some time later. This is several years later. I don't know where these guys had been hanging out, all right? But they hadn't been running with the same crowd of Christians that were there on the Mount of Olives. Uh, so it goes on to say, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, he's asking, were you baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, until then, what were you baptized? And they said, unto John the Baptist's baptism. Oh, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on Christ, him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, when they heard about Jesus, what all happened at Calvary, they were baptized in the water. They were baptized in water. Verse 5, uh, they were baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then something happened. Then Paul, verse 6, laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they did what? They spoke with tongues. They spoke in a heavenly language and prophesied. Whoa, they spoke in a heavenly language. Now, let's go all the way back to chapter 1 of the book of Acts, and we'll pick it up on the screen where it says, uh, okay, verse 4 in chapter 1 of Acts, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them, Christ, he commanded them, Christ, I say, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. There's 500 people. Excuse me. There's, I'm just getting a little excited about this. There's 500 people, but only 120 show up in the upper room. I don't know where the others were, but to wait for the promise. Here it is, the promise of the Father, the promise of the, uh, of the Father, that uh, him and Jesus, the Father and Jesus would send the Holy Spirit, which he said, you have heard from me. For John the Baptist truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It's about 10 days and that Pentecost day happened. But you shall receive power. You shall receive power. Last night, I mean, and this morning at 9 o'clock, there were people all over this front. What was happening? They were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were receiving power. I mean, they walked out here like, oh, my God, this is wonderful. It wasn't, ho, ho, ho. No, it was my Lord, my God. This is incredible. I give you praise. 
Wow. And then in Acts chapter two, of course, the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them cloven or divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. This never happened to our knowledge any other time than right here. All right, so they were all filled. Look at this verse in verse four. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wow. John the Baptist foretold that Christ would do this because he said in Matthew 3, 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he, that is Christ, is coming after me. He is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You are going to experience not only power, but you're going to experience the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit fire in your life. It, uh, it is absolutely off the chart awesome. Then Peter said in chapter 2, 38, Peter said to them, repent. He's talking to the crowd that had gathered there that day. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, baptized in water for the remission of sins. And you shall receive, uh, you, to, he's talking to 3,000 men. He said, you shall receive uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus called it a promise. Peter called it a gift. Uh, it is both. Now, let me go to a story. A story that I have never related to this whole experience. It's out of the Old Testament, so just follow me. It's out of 2 Kings chapter 5. There was a commander of the Syrian forces, apparently a very successful commander. Uh, this commander now had leprosy. I don't know why. His name was Naaman. I don't know uh, how long he had had it when this story took place. But if you've ever studied anything about leprosy, it is horrible. It is wretched. It, uh, it, the nerve endings die, and then you can hit yourself and, and not even realize it and take care of, of the wound. I mean, the skin starts to decay and rot uh, and, and different parts of your body as far as how, how far it has progressed. Uh, and uh, people in, in Israel, when they got it, they would have to leave their families. Uh, they would, if they were married, they'd have to leave their wife or their husband, and, and they would have to go and be with other lepers, uh, and uh, they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine having to do that? You can't even hug your kids anymore. It's a horrible, horrible thing, and Naaman has it. And in his household is a little girl that they had captured in Israel and made her a slave and brought her to serve his wife. And so she says to the wife, she says, there is a prophet in Israel that will heal your husband. And uh, 
So the wife gets excited and tells Naaman. Now, I, like I said, I don't know how far this disease had progressed. I don't know if, if he was knowledgeable enough that he needed to stay away from everybody. And I'm sure there were people that when they saw him on the streets, they were like, oh, it's Naaman. He's got leprosy. It was a horrible thing. It was an embarrassing thing. It was uh, so many negatives wrapped into one. It was horrible. And so now he hears about this potential miracle in Israel from a prophet. So he gathers part of the army or all of them, I don't know, and they, they go. Um, they go to see the prophet. And on the way there, he's excited. He's got desire. He can just picture and imagine in his mind what's going to happen after he gets healed. He's going to be able to hug his kids. He's going to be able to hug his wife. Uh, he, and people are not going to shun him anymore. It's going to be wonderful. And he gets there. And he's thinking the prophet is going to come out and say some great words over him and heal him. Didn't happen that way. You know, a lot of things God does doesn't happen the way we think it's going to happen. And he, the prophet sends a servant out and says, um, he said, go wash in the Jordan River seven times. Dip in the Jordan River seven times. Now, you would think that Naaman would jump off his horse and head to the Jordan River. Not so. Made him mad. Made him mad. We men can get mad over the craziest things. And we do. Because it didn't make sense to his mind. And so many times we men operate on this level a little too much instead of the word level. And so, and some of you are going to battle that even this morning in the next few minutes on the campuses online. And here he is, and he gets mad, turns away his horse, and starts going back home, about to miss an incredible miracle. And two of his people come up to him. Thank God for people that have got enough guts to speak into our life when we are wrong. And so they come to him, and they say, they say, Commander, if he had asked you to do some great and glorious thing or courageous thing, you would have done it. He simply asked you a small little thing. And he says, but it doesn't make any sense. There are cleaner, better rivers back in Syria. Why can't I go wash there? Besides, maybe he was thinking of his wounds and the progression of the disease and then having to dip in the muddy Jordan. I don't know what was going through his mind, but thank God for those people that spoke truth to him. And all of a sudden, I believe a desire, a desire took place because that's really what he wanted was to be healed. And then all of a sudden, his mind was open to the truth of what they said. So he turns that horse around and he heads to the Jordan River. And I don't know if he plans to kill the prophet if it doesn't work. I don't know. Maybe that crossed his mind. But he gets in that water, and it's not the most pristine, but he gets in that water, and he dips once, twice, three times, four, five, six. Nothing's happened. He's been there. Nothing's happened. He goes down one more time and comes up. And he glances at his hands. 
and his skin is perfectly normal and whole. And he's like, can you even imagine the joy, the gratitude that must have filled his heart at that moment? I'm sure he wanted, he wanted to kill the prophet earlier. I'm sure he wanted to hug him, kiss him because of the glorious miracle. It was going to not only, of course, affect him inside. He knew he was healed. He could feel it. And he started thinking about seeing his family. And he started thinking about how this was not only going to change him, it was going to change his family and let me stop right there and tell you something. Because this, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is not only going to change you. It's going to change your family. It's going to change the next generation. We're talking about, here I am, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit in 19, here I am after all these years, still preaching on this gift. It changed me, but it has changed a lot of people since then too. And you're going to be used in the same way, in some manner of speaking. And that man came up out of that water. Before that, he thought it doesn't make any sense to me. And it didn't. And you and I, maybe you are sitting and this baptism of the Holy Spirit done. This speaking in tongues, it doesn't make any sense. I'm already saved. I'm good, Pastor. I, I can go. I, I even pay my tithes, Pastor. You don't have to worry about me. I love God. I'm here all the time. I don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you don't know. Just like Naaman didn't know what was going to happen when he came up out of that water. He did not know what glory awaited him. He did not know. If he had known, he would have run to that river the first time and jumped in there seven times as quickly as he could have. And if you only knew the glory that awaits you when you walk to this altar and say yes to what God's last earthly command was, and that was to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now listen, still early. I'm about to wrap it up, okay? So don't go anywhere. Number one, how are you going to receive? Luke 11 says, ask, ask. The Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Jesus has a greater desire because he's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's the one that immerses you in the Holy Spirit. He has a greater desire to do that than you can imagine. So you ask, you believe. You put those thoughts aside, you put them aside. At 19, when I was baptizing the Holy Spirit, and I've told it so many times, but you need to hear it again. When I received, I was sitting on the floor pulpit was here. I was sitting like right down there on the floor. I'm 19 years old. I think I'm a man's man. And really I was because you grow up on a farm, you drive. Oh, anyway, um, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I start speaking what sounds like baby talk. I, I don't even want to try to duplicate. 
it just sounded like a little baby. And my mind said, Carl, check in here. You're 19. You're sounding like a little baby. And my spirit was soaring. And my spirit and my will said, I don't care if it sounds like baby talk. What's happening in here? I don't let me talk like a baby the rest of my life. Let me say something to you, those at the campuses. When you come this morning, um, you're going to speak in tongues. And you can't speak in Spanish and speak in tongues, okay? One language at a time. You understand that, right? Okay. Some people don't understand that. They get down here, they want to speak in a language and not ever shut up to, so they can, you know, begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. You got to open your mouth to speak a language, all right? They were baptized in Acts 2 in the Holy Spirit as they spoke, as they spoke, they spoke, they opened their mouth, they spoke as the Spirit gave them the utterance. So you can't speak in English or Spanish and another language and speak in tongues. You have to, you may want to start praising, but the truth of the matter is we're going to pray up here, we're going to ask up here, and you can immediately just begin to speak in tongues. And it may sound like baby talk because usually when you're learning a new language, it's a little unfamiliar. You know, you stumble a little bit, but that's okay. All right? You just keep going. It's the language of the Spirit. Now, um, husbands and wives, it might, might be advantageous to separate. I'm not going to, you know, dictate, of course, but it might be advantageous. And so... This is one time, congregation, we're not going to have those at the, there at the campus. We're not going to have a general dismissal. Those of you that can stay and pray, I'm going to ask you to do so. Spend the next 15 plus minutes. All right, you got that time. Uh, and you can stay and just pray. Or if you don't even pray normally at the altar with people, but you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you pray in the Spirit on a regular basis, and, and you don't say crazy stuff, then anyway, you can come down here, and you can join us and lay hands on people and pray for them, all right? Uh, you don't come down here and say to somebody, now repeat after me. No, it was the Spirit that gave them the utterance, not somebody else, okay? So it's the Spirit. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.